Annyeonghaseyo, and welcome to Afternoon Delight with Amy, Megan, and Leah, three best-selling American novelists who explore the wonderfully wacky world of K-romance through a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite characters, debate our favorite tropes, and nerd out through K-drama deep dives. Expect a few K-pop and K-skincare recs for good measure, because why not ride the Hallie wave all the way to shore? So grab some tteokbokki and listen to your new favorite Anise. So hey, it's our podcast. Hi everybody. Annyeonghaseyo. Annyeonghaseyo. Welcome. Let's tell everybody why we're here. Other than we just need something to do during a pandemic so that we can, you know, see other humans. <laughs> I know, right? So that's why I said I'm, I don't know how to conduct myself around humans, it seems like, since I haven't seen anyone for a year, but we're going to, but that's why we're here. So we can actually interact with each other, even if it's through a uh, video. So what's today's episode about? Our first episode? Well, it's introducing us, right? It is introducing us, who we are, why we're here, and why we love K-dramas, right? Yes. Yes, we're so excited. So Amy, why don't you tell us who you are? Well, first of all, let's talk about why we met, I guess, or how we met. So yeah, we're all three romance writers and writing in various genres, I would say, of romance. A lot of our stuff is contemporary romance. Between the three of us, I think we have more than 50 books, published books, and we all met online. Like 2013, maybe? 2012? Oh, before before that. Yeah. I think I met I met Megan on Facebook and Leah, I think I met you on Twitter. <laughs> well, it's true. I think I was pregnant with my daughter and she's seven now. So and so yeah, that was a long time. That's so and we're on completely different parts of the country. We're in different time zones. So we're really lucky we can get to do this, I think. Three different time about. zones. I'm pretty impressed that we all logged down at the right time. Amy, you tell us who you are. I am Amy Pine, and I write contemporary romance under the super secret name of AJ Pine. You'll never be able to put those two together. And I live in the Chicago suburbs, and I have two amazing children and three demon felines, and I moonlight during the day as a children's librarian. So, Megan, why don't you tell us a little about you? Okay, well, I'm from the East Coast. Uh, I live in Pennsylvania. Um, so I do romance, you know, full time. Uh, right now I write bonkers alien romance under the name Ella Maven. So you'll learn about me through this podcast. I like anything bonkers. If it's crazy and it makes me laugh and say, what, <laughs> what the hell, then that's what I like. So yeah, I'm mostly a crazy cat lady. I also have a hamster and a bearded dragon. So definitely live with way too many pets. And I am so excited to talk to you guys. Leah, Leah. And I am Leah Riley. I was born and kind of raised in the Midwest, but I've bounced all over the world, actually, living as far away as Australia. Currently, I am in California, living right between the Redwoods and the beach. And I think that I have a real affinity in romance for like the coming of age vibe of things. I think I got my start writing in New Adult because I do like that kind of angsty figuring things out period that happens like in your 20s. But I also really do love those forbidden elements in romance. I do have a big affinity also for anything like costume drama related or historical. 
And when I'm not writing, I work in student life at the local university. And you do write really good coming of age. I do think that that makes sense that that's what you like, because I do think you're really, really talented at that. And you do seem to really grasp what that time period is all about, which I think is hard to do. There's a lot of K-dramas that do it, though. <laughs> there and I think is. that's what, yeah, I was going to say, I think that's what we have kind of fallen in love with in K-drama is this idea of coming of age. And not all the characters that we see in K-dramas are in that early stage of adulthood, but I still think that there are coming of age stories for people even in their 30s and later. So I love that no matter what the age range is of a K-drama, that we see that sort of learning who you are kind of thing going on, which I think is a big part of, of romance writing, in addition to the fantastic external conflicts that I think K-dramas have as well. And I think that's a good point. I think that like one of the reasons that we're all here as authors, but now also these like newly formed and minted K-drama, K-romance fans is the fact that like given the times and that we are you know, in quarantine here, living in the United States and many of like in our houses and kind of like going back to like Netflix binges or whatever. I think that we all come from like that writer perspective too, of really valuing stories that have, you know, really strongly supported internal conflict and internal arcs, but also the fact that K-dramas really marry that well to the external conflicts and external dramas. I think that that's something that like we're striving to do craft wise when we write so much. And so for us, for me, and I think what happened to the two of you two was there was kind of that aha moment of that intersection that the writing in K-drama can be really, really, really amazing. And it felt fresh and new to like a lot of what I think I experienced working in like romance writing here in the US. I love that. You know, it's funny because I fell asleep last night thinking more thinking about K-dramas and just thinking about some of the external conflicts I've come across that are just so well done done. And like you said, the way they marry the internal to the external. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's what I, like, I want to write that. Like it made me jealous. Like I wish I came up with these conflicts as, as great as they are, because they are conflicts where you really don't know how they're going to play out the, or how, how they're going to come to some sort of resolution. Like you really, it's, they're just great. So I completely agree with you. And I think that's one thing that makes it so unique and that, that makes it so attractive to us as writers and how we completely filled flooded our group text chat <laughs> with talk about yeah so that was kind of it like as friends we chat anyway and then all of a sudden we just realized all we were doing was talking about k-drama and hence that's kind of the origin story for why we decided to do podcasts because you know we were like let's start bringing let's just commit to having a designated time where we can like deep dive into this and make you all listen to us and i have <laughs> And I have to text about it so much. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm dying, Megan, that you brought up dreaming about it. Because I do you dream about your K drama plots like continuing or being inside of them? Because I do. <laughs> I have dreams I, about my, the plots. I'm in my K dramas at night when I sleep, which I think is pretty fantastic. I I am not kidding. When the pandemic first started, um, I'd never had trouble sleeping before, and I have had a ton of trouble sleeping in the past, what is it, like eight months now, to the extent where I, you know, am taking melatonin and, you know, natural remedies to, to try and help me to sleep. I am sleeping so much better since starting watching K-dramas, and I do think that it is the hugest form of self-care that I have found for myself since this all began. And I'm not letting it go. Pandemic over years from now, I'm still going to be watching the K-dramas. I completely agree about self-care. Completely. 
Yeah, I think that it has been, yeah, I've been able to roll with the punches so much better having this. And I think the other nice thing is that I love the fact that there's such a clear, like finite beginning and end to the series. And that like 16 episode to 20 episode format, really with the hour long episodes for each one, you kind of know what you're signing up for, you know, that it's going to be kind of like highly relationship oriented, and there's going to be really good high stakes, but it's also not going to, it's not going to really stay past its welcome. And I think that's the other thing too, that kind of keeps that like addictive hookiness is that you get invested, and then you're done. And it's like, hit me with the next one. And that's perfect for like, this moment in time and binging, but it's also just really fun from a craft perspective to see how you can get this well-rounded story that can kind of stay fresh. And by the end, you know, you get to that happy ending, but you haven't had to like, you know, have it extend its welcome through like six seasons that eventually, you know, <laughs> sputter out. That's the word I'm looking exactly. for. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, and I, and I, I had the same thought. I was like, you know what? There's no, I don't feel, there's no like jumping the shark. Or, I mean, I'm sure there are some K-dramas that do, but I just mean, it's still, like I said, I love the finite episodes. I wish American TV would say, you know what, this show is only going to be three seasons, because that's as long as the story can go. I would love that, you know, and I, but, you know, America won't do that. But I, I love that about K-dramas. I love knowing, okay, this is one season. Yeah, exactly. I know what I'm signing up for. There's going to be a beginning and an end. Even if it's like a sad end, I know it's an end. It's not like leading me on. And I love that about it. And trying to just fill another 16 hours because people want to see those actors again, which we do. Of course we do. But you know what we can do? We can go watch another K-drama that they're in rather than watch a story get stale and then, you know, sort of be hate watching it because you're like, oh, you know, I, I was done with this 16 episodes ago. And as writers, I just want to say this on this topic, as writers, I think it's interesting because we know that if we write, especially if we write a happily ever after for two characters people say we want another book with them and it's like no you don't because we're gonna have to break them up we're gonna have to break them up we're gonna have to put them through crap again you don't want that so let us just end it and you can be happy and yes read it again if you want speaking of writing romance how about if we all give a quick romance recommendation to our listeners something that kind of would spark their interest if they haven't read romance before um okay i'll go first this was actually kind of hard for me but you know what i went back through and the book that, that went back through my kindle and the book that came up to me was actually a Molly O'Keefe book. I love everything she writes. I think she's brilliant. And this book is Bad Neighbor. And one of the reasons I love this is because the heroine is so funny and endearing. And the hero has this like alpha vulnerability to him. He has to be a protector. And then he's also an underground fighter. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want that? So anyway, that's my that's my recommendation. Bad Neighbor by Molly O'Keefe. Highly, highly. And it's hot as hell. Leah? So I had a struggle to choose two, but I was kind of thinking about it through a lens of what's a book that I've read semi-recently that I think would also make a really fun K-drama. And I landed on Beach Read by Emily Henry, which came out at the beginning of last year, I think, or actually like midway through last year, maybe. But the premise of it being two authors who have some history together, kind of like the young contemporary millennial voice type of vibe. And they end up in side-by-side vacation-style homes. One writes literary fiction and the other writes romance. And they kind of have a rivalry that was established back when they were at university together. And it becomes kind of like they're both struggling with writer's block and they decide to genre swap. 
So the romance writer will write the literary fiction and the, the lit fic guy writes the romance. And I kind of just felt like it became a love letter to genre writing as well as, you know, a really fun romance. And I think that something like that would make a really fun show to watch as well. So it's Beach Read and Emily Henry, and I definitely recommend it. Can I just say that the fact that they had beach houses next to each other, that's so coincidental and that is so K-drama. K-dramas love their coincidences, and I do too, which is another reason. I love them. But anyway, okay. And the Amy, prior your... feelings, the prior feelings. Yes. They've yes. had feelings it... in the past, and now they're going to have feelings again. It's not coincidence, though, you guys. It's fate. fate. Oh, right, 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 fate. right. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that Leah mentioned Beatree because that was one that I was thinking of mentioning before I got a different idea. So I'm so glad that that one still came up because I, I read that over the summer, and it is one of the best romances by far that I've read in a long time. But because today, while scrolling through Instagram, I saw the trailer for the final movie version of the To All the Boys I Love Before series, where they actually, the Song Sisters and their dad actually start out in Korea, vacationing in Korea. I thought that was way too fitting. And I love, love, love that series. Long before there were Netflix movies of it, To All the Boys I Love Before by Jenny Han. It's a teen novel, teen series, and which is fitting for me because I've been a teen librarian for the past six years. And it is about Lara Jean Covey and Peter Kavinsky. And Peter and Lara Jean decide a fake date to make his ex jealous and for her to make the boy who she has a crush on jealous. And it all starts because Lara Jean throughout her tween and teen years has written love letters to the boys that she has crushes on, but never mails them. She puts them in an envelope, addresses them, and then puts them in a hat box and hides them. Until one fateful day when somehow someone mails the letters and all of her crushes find out that she had crushes on them. But Peter takes the chance to sort of use it to his advantage to get his girlfriend back. And of course, you know what happens when you fake date somebody, you fall in love. And I will say it's also a pretty decent example of how you can travel with the same couple throughout three books and not have it get sort of too overdone as far as the pulling them apart and putting them back together. It can be done. Leah's done it. It can be done. Yeah, I felt like it was really intentional, though, on the author's part. Like, I would like to know a little bit more about that. But I felt like it it seemed like an intentional trilogy from the beginning. And I felt like there's so much character growth that happens that it felt organic. So it's not that a book cannot and a couple cannot extend past one book. I do think, though, that... If it's yeah, done well. Yeah, you don't want to go like have it be like the fish that's left on the counter too long and it starts to get a little smelly. <laughs> all right, then. Those are our book recommendations. And they were all good. I'm a, I actually have not read Beach Read, but I want to. I know. I Again, I tend to lean towards bonkers. You don't understand the amount of books that I was like looking through my Kindle and I'm like, I don't know if I want to talk about that one. So just a little fact about me, but anyway. And now it's time for one of our favorite segments, our K-pop recommendation of the week. So I'm really excited about this segment. So the first one today is Backdoor by Stray Kids. There is a singer named Felix who has the deepest voice I think I've ever heard in my life, let alone in K-pop. And two of the members, including Felix, are Australian. And since Leah has lived in Australia, I told her to listen to it. And then I get a text from her that's like, I can't stop listening to this song. Oh my God, Felix is amazing. His deep voice is great. And so I felt really proud of myself that I got at least someone else hooked. But Amy listened to it too. So anyway, I really recommend Backdoor by Stray Kids. 
So I think something that I would like to talk about and hear from both of you is a little more about how we got ourselves into this K-drama addiction. We've touched on a little bit, but I do want to do a bit of a deeper dive right now into how did we start this journey? I, I blame you, actually, for me starting this journey. And, and when I say blame, I mean deeply, deeply thank you. Thank you. Gamsamnida. Like, thank you. Thank you for uprooting my life and, I and mean, taking away your sleep. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and I, so it started with Netflix and Crash Landing on You, which Leah had watched. And would text all the time talking about this show. And I've never watched television with subtitles. I've watched movies, but I've never watched television with subtitles. So my first thought was, how exhausting is it going to be to read the subtitles and be able to follow what's going on? And then I watched the first episode and it was all downhill from there because I could not stop. I literally could not stop. The second that you see Hyunbin and Sun Yujin, it, it's it's over, like game over, man. And it had me feeling every single feel that I've ever felt. I did give up sleep for the show. I would be sobbing my eyes out, like ugly cries, not you know, running out of my nose one second and then laughing my butt off the next because it literally made me feel every emotion. And when I finished that series, not only did I have to go back and watch it again because I was just a hollowed out husk of a human and couldn't do anything else, but literally watch all 16 episodes again. But I said, I want to write like that when I grow up. And and that's really what did it for me is that K-drama is a masterclass in writing. I echo that absolutely. And the more I watch K-drama and start to follow writers as well, the more I feel like I am learning so much and more than I ever did attending writers conferences, doing a degree in writing. I really feel like I'm seeing like how to plot genre fiction so much like so much clearer now and also how to do character development. So Megan, I know that we brought you into this madness as well if you want to speak to that. You're like my recruits. And I signed <laughs> the dotted line with pen. <laughs> okay, so what's interesting is, because you mentioned subtitles. So I have like some hearing issues. So to be honest, everything I watch on Netflix, I watch with subtitles, like English uh, shows. Especially because I, I was really hooked on Peaky Blinders. I mean, come on, who doesn't watch it? If you watch a show without subtitles, then you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And, and I will say, I want to mention Train to Busan because I watched that maybe a year or two ago. And I, so I love zombie movies. It's probably my favorite genre of movie. And I watched that and I was seriously blown away. And I've seen a lot of zombie movies and it was my favorite. It was absolutely my favorite zombie movie. And one of the reasons is how they treated secondary characters. Like Leo was saying about characterization, it, it, it just, it, it blew me away. And so I was already kind of like leaning there. And then I got into K-pop. And then I just went full in, love the songs, love the the whole the whole culture of K-pop. I, I, I really loved watching all their variety shows and things like that. So when you guys were like, you got to watch Chloe. I thought, okay, well, I'm already like, you know, 75% of the way there. And then I watched Chloe and that was it. Like you guys, I, oh my God. I mean, I'll say this when we talk about Chloe more in depth, but 
I mean, I was crying so hard that my husband thought something happened. He came in from another room where I was bawling my eyes out on the couch, like alarmed. And I'm like, it's okay. It's and he was like what are you why are you doing this to yourself I'm like it's great and I'm like, like snot coming out of my nose yeah and so you know I I just I loved everything about it and again I love coming at it from a writer's perspective I think that's the most fun for me is to analyze how they're going to merge subplots, how this side character is going to play into the greater scheme. That's the most fun for me. And the the writers of these are my heroes, truly. Yeah, I want to echo everything that both of you are saying so much. And for me, I think that I found my way to K-drama. It's the probably only good thing that has come out of the COVID-19 disaster that has hit our country. And I was looking to escape at night and stop doom scrolling. And I also wanted to get media consumption going that was out of this country as well. So I was intentionally looking for shows that were not set here. And I started by doing some Swedish drama watching, and that was fun. And then I randomly saw Crash Landing on You and, you know, kind of like was debating, do I want to do it? I started to hear some good things from someone else. And and yeah, I guess I sometimes refer to myself as an emotional robot. And I feel like I've been in a highly disassociative state for so much of COVID where you just kind of can't feel your feelings because once you start, it's going to be really hard to put that all back in the box. And I feel like as I was watching Crash Landing, and I'll speak to this when we go into like our deeper dive with the episode next time, it was like a permission to take all of these feelings that were happening inside of me and like find release for them. And I ended up you know, doing like some like reading about the show, wondering like, you know, this is really fantastic. And I love there. there's this forbidden love aspect. And I really, really, really don't know how it's going to work out, which is complete crack to me, because I feel like that's something that has made me at times get stale on romance is when I feel like I start to read too much where like it feels too predictable. And there's certainly many, many, many instances of fantastic romance novels where it's not as predictable. But I wanted to be like surprised. And in this case, I was really, really surprised. So I looked looked it up and I saw that the author Park Ji-un, the writer for Chloe wrote it by herself. And I I think that's when I was like, okay, I am completely sold on this. Like there is like a craft element going on here that I want to bow down. I want to like send this writer flowers. And as much as I love like the, you know, the two leads and the ensemble and I think like what the actors brought to brought to the show made it so special. The writing and the plotting of Crash Landing on You is it's just a chef's kiss of perfection from start to finish. And I know we earlier we were talking about like jumping the shark. This show jumps the shark, but in like a beloved way, not in a way that like ruins things. It goes so I think over the top is even better than shark jumping. It just goes so over the top. And normally I don't feel like I would go there, but like it fits so well with like the entire premise that I was just like, you know what, all of my preconceptions of what I like and what my tastes are, are blown out of the water. And I became an official addict. Well, I mean, see, I love, I love OTT. I love, again, I love Bonkers. It's my favorite. So when we got the very first taste of Bonkers, that's when I was sold. The very first in Cloy, when it went a little off the rails crazy, I was like, done, done. Oh my God, this is so me. Oh my God. Like, I just, I love it when the show does something where you're like, this is crazy. I'm okay with it. I, you know, and so that's kind of what sold me. But I, I, I'm shocked that, you know, the same, I mean, just the way a lot of the K dramas, they, 
plot out these stories and again the way they weave the characters together it's character driven i mean yes there's a main external plot but the characters drive the story and i love it and it's the same it's been like an emotional release that i feel like we haven't been able to have (laughs) to to sort of tag on to the whole being amazed at the writing aspect not even just the over the top jump the shark moments where i didn't even know that i loved that type of stuff but all of the ways that the characters connected to each other that you don't know until you get deeper and deeper into the episodes and how well that makes the whole story mesh absolutely blew me away. Every time something like that happened, I was like, I can't believe this writer thought of this. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away. And so as we, you know, embark on this journey of being fairly newbie K-drama fans forged in the fire of 2020, I'm curious in viewing this, are you a saver of shows or do you binge? <laughs> I mean, I just came off of, so, you know, I had two weeks off of work for winter break and it wasn't until the very end where I texted Leah and I said, did I watch three full K-dramas in two weeks? And she said, yes, 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 you did. <laughs> so I do not think I have the ability to save her at all. I feel like I need to just gobble it all up. And then, but then the thing is like, if I do feel like I need to save her, like I did with Crash Landing on You, I just watched it again. Then I slowed down. When I watched it again, I slowed down. But yeah, after having watched three K-dramas in two weeks, I don't think. What were those three K-dramas just out of curiosity, Amy? Those three K-dramas were King the Eternal Monarch with Lee Min Ho. Legend of the Blue Sea, also with Lee Min Ho. And then I think it was Boys Over Flowers with Lee Min Ho. <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing a theme that we might be picking up on in future episodes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, don't know. I didn't hear anything similar at all. No, no, no. <laughs> I think for me, I felt a moment of shame and also pride when I was at a local parking lot, which has turned into a like, kid skate park place to go to during like this like socially distanced period and I was completely out of it exhausted trying to talk like across three parking spaces to a family you know watching their kids going and I eventually confessed that I had been up until 4 45 in the morning watching shows the night before (laughs) the look on their faces and the baffled judgment that I got (laughs) I left being like I'm either a complete lunatic or I am super awesome and it's probably a measure of both so I would say I definitely am a binger although I will say that like Amy said when I have gone back and done some rewatches it's been more of a savoring where I go back and watch it slowly and interestingly enough I have yet to finish any of my rewatches because I feel like I don't know. I don't know if it's that I don't want to like say goodbye again or I know like the pain that's coming and like closing it out. So I've let it all kind of like hang right at like episode 15. Yeah, I'm a binger because I kind of I think I binge. I just am a binger in nature. I think I have like an addictive personality. And I think that's part of why I like at first balked a little K-drama. So I was like, I'm going to be obsessed. And I am was right. And now I'm obsessed and I'm doing a podcast. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like, we don't just watch. We make a podcast. Look, look this is, I, like, I felt like I knew this was going to happen. Okay. Channeling. We're um, channeling this energy into some place uh, useful. We hope. 
Yeah. So I loved, I loved to binge. And the, it, and I would say that the only reason if I don't binge something, the only reason is because I have like a deadline or like something that prevents me from watching. But even so, I, then I, I'm the same way. Like I sneak it in at night before bed or something like that. But I mean, I think binge is the way to go. I just, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe if our listeners binge, they'll start their own podcast. Who knows? But because it's addicting. It's it's to the point in my house when I when I'm watching TV with my kids and we put on Netflix and I ask whose profile we should watch under and they're like don't put yours on because it's only going to recommend Korean shows and we <laughs> don't know what any of those are because net, like my recommends used to go with stuff that like the kids and I watched together and now all of my recommends are K dramas which is totally fine for me yeah i mean same that my my netflix is like oh okay cool we're gonna recommend everything and everything with subtitles of course i watch like just not a k-drama but i watched that plat the platform movie on netflix which is like crazy horror spanish movie and then netflix is like oh sweet you want like everything gory and my my recommendations were such a mess for the longest time after watching that i did watch i do like korean horror i will say as as i talked about train busan so i'm always up for some korean horror i think they do a really good job yeah, I think we'll dabble definitely in Korean cinema in the Woo-hoo. future. But for now, why don't, Megan, do you want to talk us through what we're going to be chatting about in some of the upcoming episodes? Yeah, so this is what has been very fun for us, is that we have made a pretty long list of all things we want to talk about. It's not going to be uh, necessarily summaries of specific shows, but we really want to talk about different themes in K-drama, that, especially as writers that we've identified. And I will say the, so I think we're going to do a series on Crash Landing on You. Gateway Drug. What, yeah, but we like again. We I, we don't really want to summarize it. We really want to talk to you guys about why this is why this has been kind of a gateway K drama, and we want to go more in depth about the lead couple, the secondary cup, uh, secondary couple who I love, and especially the secondary characters who are just fantastic. It's such a great. It's such a great cast. I'm really, really looking forward to is talking about emotional vulnerability, male emotional vulnerability. I think I have a lot of things to think about, or I've been thinking about that so much when it comes to K-drama. And I think Chloe is a really good example of that. Yeah, they cry. The men cry. And it's it's funny because even when they, I think even when they choose like men who are supposed to be closed off, they aren't really. And they really unveil themselves and their vulnerability so well. Uh, one thing I'm really excited to talk about is Compare and Contrast, Meteor Garden, which is a Chinese drama, mm. and Boys Over Flowers, which is, Meteor Garden is a remake of Boys Over Flowers, the K-drama. So I have seen Meteor Garden, so has Leah. Have you I'm seen watching. Meteor Garden? I'm watching. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. it's so crazy. So, and then uh, I still have to watch over flowers but we really want to do a fun compare and contrast about i am so ready for that one i know, I have so I know. Much to say because <laughs> i was, i mean because i watched meteor garden and i think that's what 26 episodes i think it's so no, long it's like 52 episodes it's 52 every trope that's ever existed every in trope. the world is in it every trope and that's one thing you'll find with us we love to talk about tropes and that is one thing we'll do we'll talk about all the amazing amazing tropes in k-drama because that is that's crack to me and i think it's crack to amy and leah and why we love k-drama so much is they do tropes so well one thing i think we're gonna do is a trained abuse on buddy watch and we'll talk about that so it's not necessarily a k-drama but 
Gong Yu is in it, one of my favorite Korean action heroes. So I'm really excited to talk to Amy and Leah about zombies, which I don't know how excited they are about zombies. You know what? I would normally not be so excited, but with Gong Yu at the helm or, you know, towards the top of the, you know, casting list in this, I'm going to take it. I like zombie movies, so. I'm, you do? I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My kids and I watch zombie movies all the time. Yes. We we like, I will say that Train to Busan will be a bit of a departure because we usually watch zombie comedy. Like, oh, zombie, you know, okay. like, like Zombieland and, you know, stuff like that. But we love it. We love it. But yeah, it'll it'll be fun. I'm excited. We, you know, it'll just be a matter of the whole time zone thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> working out that buddy watch but you know we don't sleep because of k-dramas we can stay up late for train to busan and 3 a.m i'm wide open yes because <laughs> we've, we've already mentioned gong Yu, and so you all know that we're definitely going to be talking about goblin or guardian the great and lonely god but that will for sure be on our list yeah, and we're going to do more recommendations. So I'll give you more K-pop recommendations. Leah is going to give you Korean skincare obsessions. Her skin does look very good. I will tell you, we are on video, and even in my crappy webcam, she looks very hydrated at the moment. My skin. you look extremely hydrated. <laughs> a little too hydrated, but there we are. <laughs> and I think the I think the best that that I can recommend at this point is which Korean actors look best in their tailored suits with the short pants, and then turtlenecks and long coats. Yeah, the the style aesthetic does a lot for me in ways that I know. Again, I'm learning so much about myself I never knew. And one is a super tailored man in a long jacket and short pants does a lot for me. It really does. Yeah, I'm really into the slow-mo walking in a long long coat. Like that, give me, as Leah would say, inject that into my veins. (laughs) I just want slow-mo walking. Bonus points if there's like a smoke machine nearby. Oh, yeah. And don't forget the hospitals that always seem to have one of those little diffusers going. It's a personal favorite of mine. I don't know what the diffuser does, but it's there. That actually is on uh, our topic list to talk about some medical impossibilities and why we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. So out of curiosity, what show are each of you watching at the moment? I am in the middle of watching, well, Goblin or... Guardian, the Great and Lonely God, with Gong Yu, and I love it. I'm, I have, unfortunately, this is one show that I've had like a deadline, so I haven't been able to binge it. It's killing me because I love it. The bromance between Gong Yu and Lee Dong Wook. Oh my gosh, I love, I love their bromance like you wouldn't believe, and I like the actual lead romance as well but i'm super enjoying the humor the tea room situation with the grim reaper made me cry then i had a dream about my dead cat because of that Mm. scene like gotta be kidding me so i love it i can't wait to finish it i'm like halfway through i think i am more than halfway done with personal taste uh with lee min ho and there's there's a trend happening here. Um, it's Sun Yi Jin, two actors that I love, but this is sadly not my favorite K drama I have watched so far. But we will talk more about that later. But they I love all the winners. They can't. They can't. I want them to be, but they can't. But I do love the two of them on screen, and it's it's a joy to watch them, even if I'm not in love with the story as much as I want to be. 
And I am watching Her Private Life, starring Park Min Young, who was a heroine I really enjoyed in What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. And I found out that this is only her second rom-com and all the props here because she is adorable and a rom-com queen. And the leading male is Kim Jae-wook, who plays the mysterious Japanese waffle maker in Coffee Prince, which I just finished binging. And that will definitely be a show as well, because Mm -hmm. I have a lot of thoughts on Coffee Prince. But this has been an unexpected delight to me. And I will be forcing both of you to watch this. It has a lot to say about the Nuna age women and fangirling, which I think is really relatable to us. And I love that it has been super progressive so far in terms of the GLBTQ community, plus just really like a repudiation of toxic masculinity. The entire thing is working for me so well. I thought I was just going to be doing like a palate cleanser before I got into like my next emotionally heavy drama. And instead, honestly, I'm at like a 10 out of 10 at the moment. So we'll see how it holds. Yay, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. And I really want you to watch it because it's about the lead heroine is obsessed with K-pop and runs a secret fan site for like one of the K-pop icons. And that character plays a bigger role, too, and kind of gets into like some of the behind the scenes of K-pop and like the expectation of like idols and like how they live their lives and the trappings of it. So it's really amazing. But it also has in it, I don't know, since you're into K-pop more than I am so far, Megan, but it also has one who is a rapper. And he plays the young idol and he's really adorable. Oh, I love that. Okay, cool. What's on deck next? I would love to know what you all are thinking of watching after you're done with your current show. Because to me, this is a very big decision when I decide what is going to be my next show. Right. I'm not sure because so I'm so I'm watching Guardian now and I'm like halfway through. I'm I have a couple because I might watch. I like her private life. That sounds really good. I also want to watch It's Okay to, to Not, not be, be Okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I really want to watch Tale of the Nine-Tailed with Lee Dong-Wook because it's about, he's a fox shifter. I mean, that is like up my alley. It sounds crazy. I'm, I, that's what I want to mm-hmm. <laughs> Like I, I might, I might want to watch something a little crazy next. So I don't know. I have to wait till I get to the end of the Guardian and then judge my emotional state <laughs> <laughs> and then go from there. And also when you're done her private life, I want to like hear, do you know what I mean? I want to hear about what you're done. So it's possible I might do something maybe not super intense because Guardian's like, I think heading obviously to some intensity. So a little bit. Yeah, I dehydrated myself weeping. God, no. I mean, I did cry already. I teared up like once, but then I like cried already once. I had tears just flowing unbidden out of my eyes for about three hours. Like just like I couldn't stop. So. Which is why you haven't finished your rewatch. Because you don't want to do it again. I can't. It hurt. It hurts so good. Amy, what are you thinking of watching next? So I, because you've been texting so much about her (laughs) private life. You don't have to force. You never have to force me to watch it. But it's funny because... Leah and I both watched Coffee Prince at the same time, mm-hmm. and we're both deciding what to watch next. And I chose Personal Taste, and she chose Her Private Life, and we're both having very different experiences right now. Mm-hmm. And every time she texts me something about Her Private Life, I'm like, I, I really, really want to watch it. Like, I love all that you've talked about so far, and I'm super, super excited. And we both fell in love with Kim Jae-wook in Coffee Prince. And I'm excited to see him in a leading role. And I also loved What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. So 
you know, it's, it's a win-win for me. There are some supernatural ones that are on our list that I want to watch as well. So I think after her private life, I'm going to go into a little bit more of a supernatural one. So maybe Tale of the Nine-Tailed. There was also, I found Uncanny Counter, which is the group of people who work in a coffee shop during the day and are like demon hunters by night. So. Oh my God. I I love that so much. I put it, I put it on the spreadsheet and I could be, I could be remembering it wrong now, but as far as what they do, but I'm pretty sure it was demon hunting. What's better than coffee shop workers who hunt demons? I don't, this is one thing I love about K-dramas is that I can watch something that's just contemporary, you know, whatever, or then there's just something off the wall like Demon Hunters. I I love it. I Because I, I, I like that there's enough variety to keep me interested. I just adore it. Yeah. And I've been really trying to keep an open mind of like, you know, some like I might not necessarily think demon hunting's for me and I might find myself being like, I'm all in on the demon hunting, just bring on the demons. <laughs> so for me, I'm not sure if Tale of the Nine Tales is something that's going to be watched as a group. I might want to because it is really hard to be in love with something and nobody else is watching it. You're just like, I just hound Amy with like texts about this and she's like, yes, yes, okay. <laughs> um, but I'm also really wanting to go back to Kim Eun-suk, who we watched Goblin, obviously, that she wrote. And then also The King Eternal Monarch, which she also wrote. So I've, I've got on my list highly to watch is Descendants of the Sun and Mr. Sunshine. So both of those definitely like keep I think I kind of want to keep Mr. Sunshine until one of you reads Pachinko because I think it's like a precursor to that time period. And so we'll see but definitely so many options. And I really angst out when I choose what my next show is going to be to a ridiculous degree. But so far, so good. Yeah, I feel stressed because I want to watch so many of those. I forgot I want to watch I want to watch King, Eternal Monarch, right? Yeah, yes. I want to watch that. Yes, you do. Yes, you and do. And you gotta watch Boys Over Flowers so we can do that. And I gotta watch Boys Over Flowers. How many episodes is Boys Over Flowers? Ooh, it is like it's a little longer than 16. I want to say it goes to like Was maybe, it 20? It might go to 20. But it's not 52 like Meteor Garden. It's not, but no, you know what? Also, it's, it's also not like 90 minute episodes like some crash landing on you episodes are. Like okay. they're they're basically yeah. like an hour and five minutes. Okay. Okay. I can do it. Maybe I'll have to watch two at one time. I'll double fist it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think what I'm really excited to do is come back next week and begin the deep dive into Crash Landing on You. I am very, very excited. And again, we're going to talk about it from, you know, obviously just like a fangirl point of view and then a writer point of view, too. And we'll explain more in depth about what we love so much about the plot and the characters and all of that good stuff. So I know I'm pretty excited about it. And, you know, like I said, we have a long list of episodes that we want to talk about. It's like never ending, it seems at this point. So we're really excited to keep going. So we hope you guys listen. Well, I think that's all we've got today. So thank you so much for joining us on our inaugural episode. And should we say it, y'all? Yep. Adiós. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! Annyeong!